0: Welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. I have a brand new guest on. Her name is Judy Beth Atwood. Family courts continue to value the rights and freedoms of abusive partners over a protective parent's fundamental human rights to live and raise their children in peace and security. Abusive partners are seeking joint or full custody as a means of revenge, punishment, and continued control over domestic violence victims. After previously sharing no parenting responsibilities and demonstrating no interest in doing so, the court's reckless dismissal and doubt of child physical and sexual abuse claims brought by protective parents. And Judy Beth is a protective parent parent and she's seeking changes in our family court system and i welcome you to the show judy beth atwood uh you've got a lot to tell us you're in boulder colorado
1: that's that's right mary i'm in uh, boulder county colorado Um, i live in um, longmont colorado um small little town here um (laughs) in boulder county um i'd like to um thank you for having me on the show and um I came on the show because I want to send a warning. Mm-hmm. I want to send a warning to all mothers and children in Boulder County and Weld County. Weld County and Boulder County are abusing the term parental alienation in uh, similar concepts and in terms invoke to deny child custody to mothers and grant it to a father accused of domestic violence in a manner that totally disregards a possible risk for the child must be in the, and this actions, these actions must be discouraged. Mm-hmm. Accusations of parental alienation by abusive fathers against mothers must be considered a continuation of power and control. Um, and our state agencies and actors, including those deciding on child custody, are are getting involved um, and working at stacking the deck against mothers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In this regard, we mothers in Boulder and in, in Weld County call upon the state actors to provide explicit preventative measures devoted to the protection of our children. We mothers would like training for law enforcement and judicial authorities, and we would like to work with legislators to put into place guidelines to ensure that victims are treated appropriately. Mm -hmm. These guidelines should explicitly be provided to those coming into contact with women and children regarding the abuse of the pseudo concepts such as parental alienation, and similar concepts, mm-hmm. similar concepts, Concept. Concept. <laughs> <laughs> the abuse of these mentioned concepts must be explicitly outlawed since they are often used by abusive fathers against mothers in order to deny mother's contact or custody, leading to the perpetuation of psychological and physical violence against the mother and child. On August the 21st of 2021, the United, Nations Commission, the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, Advocacy Groups, um, One Month's Battle, and Custody Peace lodged a claim against a human rights violation and abuses against women in the family court system in California and throughout the United States. Over 100 women which includes mothers from Boulder County and Weld County, joined in this claim. Each of these women have has provided a letter describing her experience and attesting to the injustice of human rights violations she suffered as a woman navigating the family court system of her respective state within the United States of America. Um, on today's show, I will give you a play-by-play technical overview of a conspiracy to interfere with civil rights um, which involves attorneys judicial officers and several wrongdoers that use coercive control to abuse parents which deprived and deprived several children out of love and eventually um, leaving the parents bankrupt
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I say parents because um, a lot of the studies that um, that are being done currently involve women um, United Nations complaint um, involves women but men are affected by this as well but mm-hmm. today I'm basically going to try and stick to the fact that it, it most of the time it's it's against mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, What I would like to share is what I call um, what family court has become. It's a game of telephone or Chinese whispers. Mm -hmm. Violations of due process are taking place in our Boulder County courthouse, and it must be taken seriously. I am calling upon the executive branch and the legislative branch to issue an order to audit the day-to-day business of family courts in our Boulder County Courthouse. Since learning that our cases are tainted by the bad state actors and agencies, which are the psychologists, which are appointed by the courts um, and child protection services here in Colorado, Mm -hmm. our investigative reporters from the Denver Gazette, the Greeley Tribune, and ProPublica have called out these bad state actors, and to date, no action has been taken to prevent more victims. What I need to make very clear before I start on my technical overview is that I have never been convicted or investigated for child abuse by Child Protection Services or law enforcement. And I want to make mothers understand how dangerous these Boulder County courts have become for mothers. Um, it's on October 27, 2022, investigative reporters from Colorado Politics exposed Judge Nancy Salmon from the Boulder County Courthouse for violations of due process in her courtroom. The case is the people in the interest of TL. I hope law enforcement agencies, state legislators, and federal agencies are listening to CD because our children in Colorado are dying. They are dying. They are being deprived of kind loving mothers because these state actors and agencies are stacking the deck against mothers and children. And these people need to be held accountable for their civil conspiracies, their violations of due process, putting their children in abusive homes, and profiting from this heinous psychological and financial abuse against mothers. Child Protection Services in both Wall County and Boulder refuse to believe children when they report sexual abuse. We need remedies to hold these poor decision makers accountable for terrorizing our children, making them stay with abusive parents and depriving these children of a life free of violence.
0: And the thing um, I was going to ask you with this judge, it's so um, what would what, what happen to her? They, did they just totally take her off the bench?
1: My understanding is that she's being phased out, oh. but they reassigned her. Yeah. That's my understanding. And that's huh. not good enough.
0: No, it's not.
1: So I want to um, before I um, before I go into talking about this particular situation that I became involved in, I'd like to let um, protective mothers know that currently um, in 2020 there's a a good amicus brief that you can use in your case when you've been accused of parent alienation or parent alienation syndrome. Mm -hmm. That case is Richard Ducati
0: (laughs) or Ducote
1: Ducote. (laughs) (laughs) Um, versus Victoria McIntyre. And a lot of people don't understand what an um, an amici is. So I want to tell you what that is. Okay. An anarchy is an individual or an organization who is not party to a case, but who is permitted to assist a court by offering information, expertise, or insight that has uh, a bearing on the issues in the case. So Mm -hmm. in this particular amicus, the brief um, will provide the court with research demonstrating the systemic and intolerable um, prevalence of sex bias in the family courts. So um, there was a number of advocacy groups that have that became involved, and this this is very time consuming. So this situation involving the bias against women and children is well known, mm-hmm. and it's been around for a long time. And it's getting, in my opinion, it's getting worse in Boulder County. It's not getting any better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the case number for this amicus brief is, um, <laughs> I just lost it, uh, 20-1627. And the the number of people that, the so I'd like to call out all of the people that participated in this, because I think it's important to understand the level of bias and the level of harm that's being done in the in the family courts mm-hmm. so the women's um children advocacy project um from uh, participated in this the national family violence law center the stop abuse campaign the national organization for men's for men against sexism mm-hmm. the battered woman uh, battered mother's custody conference domestic violence legal empowerment and appeals project women's coalition Child Justice, California Protective Parents Association, the Endangered Collective, Protective Mothers of Solano County, the Mama Bear Effect, New Jersey Crime Victims Law Center, Westchester uh, County Family Court Reform Initiative, Mother Child Human Rights Foundation, i.e. Mother's Revolution, the Nurtured Parent, Equal Means Equal, Jane Does Well incest survivors speakers bureau of california mm-hmm. these are all the groups that participated in writing this brief um in contributing their research to what what is really a bias against moms in their family court system
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so i was involved in a this is a kind of a personal story but i want i want people who are not involved in family courts to understand how this bias starts. And like I said, I think it's important to realize two things are happening that's contributing to this. It's like a game of telephone. Anybody can walk into a family court system and make accusations with no evidence. You don't have to be investigated by law enforcement agency. You don't have to be investigated by child protection services. Any disgruntled person can walk into a courtroom and say, "This person is a child abuser,"
2: mm-hmm.
1: and in my case, I just happened to be dating someone,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it started, believe it or not. So this is now 2022, and I'll get to what how this all is now um, changing the way my life. Mm-hmm where I, where I'm living and how it's a, how it came into the courtroom. Mm -hmm. So I'm dating this, this man and um, we keep the dating like under, well, essentially we're dating, but we're not really public about dating. Mm -hmm. And we kept it under wraps for about two years. Then suddenly out of the blue, he starts getting emails from his, his, his ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. his ex-girlfriend says one night to him in an email, find another girlfriend. Never met her. She doesn't know anything about me that I know of. But, you know, I, I just want to emphasize that we didn't think that these were going to amount to what they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so then about two months later, um, we get more emails. And this time, she says, um, and, and this went to a court-appointed psychologist that I, that I was using. Says, for a year and a half now, my ex has a girlfriend. And for a year and a half, my son has interacted with this woman and her children. And her children are now sleeping in his house, and I don't even know. I don't know who this woman is and where she takes my son. And I demand to meet her. So she's asking the court-appointed psychologist to arrange a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> like that's his job, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then she sends another email. Um, and there was like four emails this evening um, back to these emails are now so now that she tried the psychologist that's involved in my in my own personal case right she now tries my my boyfriend and says I demand to meet your girlfriend and um, I I insist on meeting her and these emails like there was about four of them this evening that evening right in that so now we're into we're we're into 2015 and um, so then she sends an email a month later, it's my legal right to meet your girlfriend. <laughs> and then about 12 o'clock that night, she sends an email to my, uh, my then boy, boyfriend and says, Judy does not love you. So then another email went out um, about four months later and it says, Who is, what is the name of your girlfriend? And I want to meet her. (laughs) She's already identified who I am. Yeah. But like we, I have to emphasize that we didn't think much of these, right? Mm -hmm. We just thought, okay, what are you drinking?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or what medication are you not taking?
1: (laughs) Exactly. So then um, about, oh um, yeah. So then we get, um, uh, on 2016, it was mid January, 2016. Um, your girlfriend is sleeping with my son. Oh. Then we get um, this uh, two three days later. Your girlfriend is mean. Your girlfriend will never respect you. Now, I demand to talk to Judy. Judy is abusing my son.
0: Um,
1: And uh, what I also have to point out is she is a teacher and a mandated reporter. Oh. And not once over this whole year, nightmare, was I ever reported to law enforcement or to CPS. Mm. So then. A a month later, she goes after my boyfriend's parent coordinator decision maker and says, I demand that um, my ex not be in a relationship with Judy, and my son should not be playing with her children. So then, um, Two months later, she goes after, uh, three three months later, she goes after my parent coordinator decision maker. And she says, I demand to know the name of my ex's girlfriend's name. Um, okay. And in the same sentence, she says, Judy is mean and screams a lot. Now, I've never met her. <clears throat> In the same sentence, she's stating that she wants to know the name of my then-boyfriend's girlfriend, and then she's saying that I'm mean and that I scream a lot. So then she says, two months later, my son is too old to be sleeping with Judy. And then she says... A month later, I want my son to know that um, I live him. So a lot of the times we're trying to interpret what she's what she's asking us to do. I live him, and that there is nothing bad to tell me that my daughters are at school. The contrary, he might be developing some psychosis. So mm-hmm. now she's telling me that I'm developing psychosis for him, right? Um, then on 721, she sends an email about midnight saying that I'm a monster and that, um, my boyfriend's son is drawing all these terrible pictures of me. And then on, and and I'm, I'm, I want to let people to know that this is usually what happens when parents try to leave a relationship and have another one. Like if, when somebody is not dealing with a full deck. Right. Right. I mean, I would not do this. Um, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't make these judgments unless I've met somebody. Like maybe if I met somebody, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know um, I'm sure um, people go off on their exes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: it's, it seems like when the ex go- you know, meet someone new, then all hell breaks loose.
1: Yes. They ex- remarry. Well, if you know, and that happens when people are not paying, playing with the full deck, right? Right. Since people are playing with the full deck, they go on, they move on to their own lives. Right. Right. They're not in- infatuated or fixated on trying to control the other person.
0: Though. Oh yes.
1: Right. Yes. So that's the other thing to point out here. This is control. Mm-hmm. This is somebody trying to control their ex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then she sends another email, and and I want to point out too that these state actors are getting these emails and they're doing nothing about it. They are not they are not managing these emails. these PCDMs, these parent coordinators, decision makers, they have the ability to say you have to stop sending these emails. They can write a court order. Mm-hmm. But they just, nobody is really, really doing what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience. So she sends another email to my boyfriend's PCDM and says, My son told me that Judy is changing everything in our house. I want my son to share these details with me. I don't care what she does in the house, but I want to know when she moves the furniture around.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So then um, a week later, she goes into the courthouse and gets my court orders and sends them to the PCDM. So then, so now it's um, 2018. This all started in 2015. And she sends a request at 1.30 a.m. It's, I want to meet Judy. I don't want you in a relationship with her. So what I have to tell you is I didn't know that these emails were being sent. Because nobody told me. Huh. Nobody told me this was going on. My, my boyfriend was protecting me. I had, I had my own horrific relationship, uh, breakup, and divorce going on.
0: Mm-hmm. My
1: boyfriend was trying to protect me. So I was blindsided. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So then um, on three months later, she sends an email that um, when Judy Atwood is frustrated, my son bites me.
0: Now you know what that sounds like an alienator there.
1: Yes. Oh, and also I forgot to mention that this went to a parent coordinator decision maker. They ignored it. So then, in 2018, June, late June, she instructs my my then boyfriend to drive my daughters to Denver so she can have access to them. Mm-hmm. Then um, the same evening, oh, sorry, no. Yes, the same evening, um, she sends an email three, three hours later and says, why are you not bringing Judy's daughters here to Denver? I can't wait. <sighs> then on uh, f- February 27, 2019, she sends an email about, I was like 1.30 in the morning. Again, I was hosted as a girlfriend. And you need to get rid of Judy. Okay, so now this is, they, they split up in 2013. This is six years later. Yeah. Six years later. So then she sends a note on um, uh, let's see, this is 627 she says i know how many messages judy is sending to her ex-husband and he told me about her erratic behavior so now she's meeting my Uh ex-husband and then on um on january 7th 2021 she sends me she sends me an email and says i met your ex-husband in a park And we had a great exchange. Oh, okay. So I didn't know anything, right? So this is like, this went on for 2015 to 2021. And this was January 7th, 2021. So not only did I get emails from her stating that she was meeting my ex-husband, she was also meeting with my ex-husband as opposing counsel who used to represent my boyfriend. And my ex-husband was e- e- emailing me saying that she be- he was meeting up with her as well. So suddenly I realized, given my situation in the family court system, that I'm in deep, serious trouble.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All of those emails um, were sent to me. Uh, were shown to me in one night and I'm already in this horrible traumatic um, breakup that uh, has been in Boulder County for 10 years. I woke up the next day. I I got my dog and I drove to the Canadian border. Mm. I'm like, I have got to get out of this country. I am not safe here. Reading those emails, I was terrified. And I also know that, you know, part of the problem for domestic violence victims and mothers is stacking the deck at times involves law enforcement agencies. Mm -hmm. And this is a small town and I wasn't going to get any help. And I knew that. So I had, this this is winter. I believe it was January 16th. I had um, $200 in my bank account that I had from unemployment insurance, because this is during COVID. Mm-hmm. I had no coat, no phone, no, no GPS. And I just traumatized, just ran, drove to the border. I, I, I stopped somewhere. I don't remember. And I think I spent the night in my car. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I made it to Montana. And I was outside of a church in Montana. I had no coat and I was praying. I, I, was, I was, didn't want to go inside because I thought if anybody saw me crying, I might get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I stood outside and I was crying and the priest came out and he called the police. He called the police to do like a check to make sure that I was okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somebody had told him I was out there for hours. I don't really know how long I was out there. So the police came and he was a nice man. Mm -hmm. Um, But what he did was he called the Longmont PD and he said to the Longmont PD, do you know, you know, Judy Atwood and the Longmont PD said, yes, her ex-husband just filed a protection order on her. And I'm like, I'm getting out of here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not going through this. And I, I just, I just, no way there's no way. So I end up getting a uh, the police officer puts me in a hotel room that night and buys me dinner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he draws me a map on how to get to the Canadian border. And I get to this little town on the border. Um, and what my, my intentions were is to head to the Alberta crossing of Alberta, Canada, right? Mm -hmm. But this little town told me bad weather, don't go that way. You got to go through Washington. So again, on a post-it note, they drew a map on how I could get from Montana to Washington. Mm -hmm. And what I have to tell you is I have the worst sense of direction. So I ended up Uh. where I did is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I land in, um, I land in Washington state and domestic violence, sexual assault picks me up. And um, uh, what I mean, they pick me up is they, they start supporting me. They hear my story. They put me in a hotel room. I've got my dog. My dog can stay in the hotel room with me. And I told them my plan is to head for the Canadian border. And they said, it's not going to happen you are not going to get across the Canadian border because the border is closed due to COVID and only, only mandated like uh, workers can get across. Right.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I went to bed that night and I'm, I was just, I was just tear I mean, I just, I couldn't believe that this was happening. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was bad enough in my own case. And, um, so I pick up the phone and I called the Canadian embassy and I, I don't, I don't remember um, what the reaction was, but I don't really think I gave the person an opportunity to say much on the phone. And Mm -hmm. the answer I got was, I'll meet you at the Canadian border 10 AM tomorrow morning and we'll get you across. Oh, wow. So I, um, I got across the border. Then the Canadian government, the embassy put me in a a hotel Mm -hmm. Where um I had to isolate for 14 days mm-hmm. because of COVID measures, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this was a hotel that had <laughs> room service, oh. right? Not only for me, but for my dog. My dog was eating steak and shrimp and
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: awesome. <laughs> and it was it was run by the Canadian Red Cross. Mm-hmm. And the Canadian Red Cross took my myself and my dog out um, five times a day. For walks around this beautiful courtyard, and um, so once I got out of isolation, which was 14 days later, the first thing I did was I went and got a Canadian phone, mm-hmm. and I called my kids because I hadn't spoken to them in a while, and I told them that I had to spend some time in Canada, and um, I then I called the Boulder County Courthouse. Mm -hmm. and I said I need a copy of this protection order against me Mm -hmm. and they said it didn't exist so now I'm in another country with the borders closed and I can't get home
0: oh no oh my god
1: so I am a Canadian citizen I'm here in the United States on a green card so Uh, And and the reason why I ran is because a protection order can be used against my immigration status. And that was something that my abuser used against me repeatedly. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have an email stating that he was going to pay somebody to put a protection order on me. So it would interfere with my immigration status. So I ended up staying in Canada for about four, five months. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I, um, I decided, you know, to start thinking about coming home. Right. But I had, um, taken up an apartment there. So I had things in my apartment and, um, I'd met my, my boyfriend in Washington state and got my paddleboard. So, I mean, if I'm going to be stuck for a while, at least like, (laughs) and at that point, um, so I, I could get across the border, but I, every time I came back, I had to um, I had to do like a 14-day um, isolation. And what I should tell you is I decided to make good use of my time, and I went to college. I took some college classes while I was there, and I thought this will be really good. And I was actually feeling like it was doing me a great deal good to heal and get out of the situation for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. What I should say is I tried all kinds of therapies to to help my PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, And my PTSD came from a situation I was involved in in 2016. I was robbed. I had my car uh, broken into and I was um, um so my car was stolen. I had my, you could tell I'm triggered, right? Oh <laughs> my car was stolen, my apartment was broken into, and I was robbed. While that was happening, um, and what I should say, my PTSD was flared up because my PTSD is from domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So this was flaring out my PTSD. My abuser was texting me telling me he's while I'm in the police interview about my about my car being stolen he's texting me telling me he's going to take me to court for contempt of court. Cause I don't have a way of bringing my children to school. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I'm going like, Oh, this is just too much for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I've lost, I lost half my family. I mm-hmm. lost my, my brother and my father. And, um, so it was just too much all at once. And, and, as we all know, the family court system is the most toxic, the most vile,
2: oh, vile no
1: system to be in. So, you know, when you're not the target, like these attorneys, they thrive in this environment, mm-hmm. right? Um, us moms, we didn't go to school to become attorneys. Mm-mm. Excuse me, we we don't know this kind of this this vile toxic environment that they thrive in. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for people to come off the playground and be a stay at home mom into a shark net. Right? It's like all of a sudden you're you're looking you're watching yourself and it's horrid. Plus it's costly, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, it was nice to get away from it. And I would say it was probably the most uh, effective um, method Mm -hmm. was actually just getting away for four months. And, you know, there was a border between us, between me and my, my then boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. So I felt safe for the first Mm -hmm. time. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. She scared me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like, this is a scary person to be going on like this for like seven years. Yeah.
0: Completely fixated on you.
1: Yes. Yes. So, Um, I came back and then I decided to go back and close up shop and, um, it, I was, I was kind of thinking, um, maybe I should stay and take some more courses, you know, maybe this would be good. Um, but I got a call. I got a call from my younger daughter and I was in in contact with my children, um, that they were being, um, they, they were already, uh, from my perspective, pretty much alienated from me at this point. Mm-hmm. They had a caregiver they were very fond of, and I just thought, you know, I can only oh. take off, chew off so much at once, right? Mm-hmm. So my daughter called me from Anaheim, California. She is um, twelve years old, mm-hmm. and she's stranded. She's. Her dad is in Colorado. The dad and the caregiver got into this rip-roaring fight. The dad missed his flight. And my daughter is in Anaheim with a caregiver that has no money. She has absolutely no money, no resources to get from the airport to... um, to the hotel room she doesn't know if they have a hotel room they're going to Disneyland right Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I just knew that at this point that caregiver was going to be gone Mm -hmm. that she was going to be fired that um and I I just knew that I had to I really had to get back um into the country and let my girls know that I'm here Um, I knew they were going to need me. And it it turns out that I was able to help them from Canada. I mean, by trade, before I got married, I was an IT person. So I immediately went into like troubleshooting mode. Mm -hmm. I got them some gift certificates so they could use it for money. I got them, you know, I I had, I talked to the person that um, uh, waited on their table and said, I can pay for it over the phone, you know, but over phone, give you a credit card number. I called a hotel to make sure that they had, they could check into their hotel. And I assured my child, you know, that she was going to be okay, Mm -hmm. but I knew I had to head back. So I, um, I head back, you know, I I pretty much am already home because I came back in like April and I just went back to get some stuff, finish some courses. And then I'm just taking a carload back. Right. I've only been in. I was only back in America for 10 days when um, my then boyfriend got an email basically stating that he was going to be interviewed by a court-appointed psychologist. Mm -hmm. And um, this court-appointed psychologist initially told him that I would have to be part of the interview because I lived with him. Right. This was in August. Right. Mm-hmm. So first let me tell you, we have laws, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have laws in Colorado. And we have one that's that's 14-10-127. It's in preparing the report concerning a child, the evaluate the evaluator may consult any person who may have information about the child or the child's potential parenting arrangements. It does not say that any person consulted by a PRE, which is Parent Responsibility Evaluator, Mm. is obligated to provide the PRE with whatever information that he wants. Right? That's Mm. the law. So my boyfriend says, okay, you know, um, my girlfriend does not provide care for my son which I don't. Um, first of all, the schedule for my boyfriend's son was crazy. Uh, after school therapies, tutoring, never left alone with him. And, and we never wanted to parent each other's child. It's just too confusing for children. I mean, like you've got a mom, you've got a dad. If the dad has a girlfriend, that doesn't mean she's a parent. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we really, that was the, what we decided on and how we were going to run our relationship. And it, it's just too confusing for kids. Right. Um, and, um, so we, so my boyfriend told this psychologist on November 23rd, she's not involved. My girlfriend's mm-hmm. not involved in raising my son. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, But this psychologist changed his tune on November the 24th and said, if your girlfriend lives with you, I need to meet her.
0: Uh, It's like, are we in high school?
1: Yeah. So the the psychologist insists that I cook him dinner. Okay. Okay, this psychologist does this to every parent going through this evaluation. He insists that the parents make him a meal.
0: Oh my god! Right <laughs> now, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that is really that is really bizarre and crazy, and um, and also while he was in our home, he says. In front of me to my boyfriend, he says. A gentleman waits for the lady to sit first, but I guess there are no gentlemen here tonight. Ooh. That's and I, crazy. You know, I'm a Canadian woman. My eyes got a little big. <laughs> 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 but I said nothing. I said nothing. So the next day, this is so that was December 8th. So the next day, December the 9th. He insisted that we all go to his office, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. And I sat outside of the interview room for five hours. Oh no. And he never spoke to me. Never said a word to me. Then on December 20th, um, my boyfriend's ex ex ex-girlfriend calls the, his office, the psychologist office and says, Judy is calling me at midnight. She's um, calling me and telling me that my son is gay. And what she sends is screenshots of the calls. And guess what? None of these calls were ever answered. That's what the evidence that she sent shows that she's never picked up these calls. Not to mention that I would never do that. Mm-hmm. But the psychologist believes her. Oh, my God. So the psychologist, I know. So and this is Christmas, too, right? Let's remember, this is supposed to be a fun time of the year. Mm -hmm. Kids are on vacation, right? So on December twentieth, I get a call from the doctor. And he says, you have to be in my office tomorrow morning. I'm giving you 24 hours, and I'm going to do psychological testing with you evil so i i i sent him an email and i said um i gotta tell you something okay i have my own protracted litigation going on i have had four parental responsibility evaluations i've had five independent psychological evaluations by five psychologists and three by a psychiatrist and I can tell you that any more testing is not only, it, it, I mean, you just, you keep giving the same test. It's its not effective, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, at this point, it's psychological abuse, right? Yes. I, I know that the opposing counsel has never believed any of the psychiatrists, psychologists that says, I'm not mentally ill, right? Mm-hmm. And they used this as a tool against me, right? Mm-hmm. So I realized sending him an email probably isn't sufficient. So I sent him a cease and desist. Mm-hmm. But in the cease and desist letter, I clearly let him know that I would be, you know, I would follow the law, which says I would be like a reference for the the boy and testify to my um, them boyfriends skills as a parent and mm-hmm. I would gladly come in after Christmas I had plans to go to Texas for Christmas and there was just no way I could come in so um, on December the 27th he he got the season desist letter on December 24th on December the 27th he issues his report to the court hmm. there's a page on me There's a page on me, and it basically says that I'm I'm not to be around my boyfriend's son. I'm unfit. This is
0: almost like a CPS caseworker uh, uh, coming up with this stuff.
1: It gets worse. Oh God! So. They go into a hearing and I think it was four, four, three or four months after the report was filed with the court. I wasn't subpoenaed. I wasn't present. And the magistrate or uh, off, uh issues a court order without even, uh, I had no due process. I had no ability to even defend against the, these stupid phone call accusations. Mm-hmm. um, I had, she issued an order that I couldn't be around the boy. And I, I, what I should mention is I also sent a cease and desist letter to the ex-girlfriend, right? Yes. I'm like, You've got to stop this, mm-hmm. right? Did she stop? No, no. So now she's emailing me and telling me um, through my boyfriend that I'm not allowed to live where I'm living. That I have to get out of the house. So at this point, I'm like, this is so, this is such a violation of my civil rights, every right that you can imagine. So I write a letter to the Chief Justice Justice, Ingrid Backey in Boulder County. And I said, This is this is a violation of my due process. This magistrate has no jurisdiction over me there was no subpoena there was um i wasn't even given an opportunity to present an argument either with the pre or with the court and so my boyfriend goes back to hearing two months later and the magistrate intercepts my letter to the chief justice and reads it on record in her courtroom, mm. and then issues a statement on record that says, we know who Judy Atwood is in Boulder County, in this courthouse, and we don't like her, and that goes on record. So, I filed a complaint against this magistrate with mm-hmm. the Office of Attorney Regulations because she's a magistrate as opposed to a judge. Mm-hmm. And the that comes back from the ORC, but basically says, oh, she didn't violate your due process. This is okay. Um, but apparently, there was a status hearing recently. And what, what the magistrate said is that I'm allowed to live in the home, but I'm not allowed to have any interaction with the boy and that is how family court is that's the technical overview of how family courts are working Mm -hmm. this is what taxpayers are spending their money on Mm -hmm. this is how these judicial officers are treating women in the courtrooms this is how the game of like telephone this is how a extremely revengeful somebody that's not playing with a full deck uses the family court mm-hmm. system to get rid of somebody. And and what I got to tell you is that nobody ever complained about me. The boy had, um, so many therapists and he always spoke kindly about me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We, you know, uh, because I wasn't parenting, he didn't have a problem with me and he had a nickname for me. Um, and, you know, he's very fond, very fond. And um, there was a multiple people who, um, you know, some that had spent a lot of time with us that would testify that there was no problem,
0: no mm-hmm.
1: problem at all. But this is how the family court system is working. And this cost me thousands of dollars because mm-hmm. I had to get other I had to get my own attorney attorney. Um, I had to talk about, about this to my own attorney, I had to like, figure out what I could do. I had to get, um, I had to hire people to um, get legal advice from other people about how to write a cease and desist letter. I mean, this was very costly. And this is just somebody that clearly isn't playing with the full deck, that refused to call the investigative agencies that is actually a mandated reporter herself. Mm-hmm. And this is how she interferes with somebody she dated 10 years ago.
0: Now that is absolutely crazy.
1: And, and people don't believe us how these, how these situa- situations arise in the family court system. Mm-hmm. And this is what parents go through all the time
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: if we stuck to evidence like if we ran the family court system more like the well there's problems in the criminal justice system as well yeah but, but excuse me if we ran the family courts just like child protection services if we stuck to evidence instead uh-huh. of stacking the deck you know these uh, the, uh, we had a situation here in colorado Uh, I know we're running out of time here, but we had one CPS agent in Arapaho named Robin Nasita, Mm -hmm. who was basically telling parents that if you don't have sex with me, I'm going to terminate your parental rights. And 40 families came up and said, this is happening. And the reason why that happens is because these agents have no oversight. Nobody is watching, like even the parent coordinator decision makers, they should have reported these, mm-hmm. I mean, jealous statements. These became very problematic. Um, they sh- and, and they should have reported this. They should have reported this obsessive, jealous, these, these constant emails. Um, I should have been warned because, mm-hmm. you know, clearly there was a huge, huge problem here. And. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't aware I, I, I had reached out to her once after the first email and I sent her a Facebook and I, and I asked her like, would she be comfortable having coffee with me, mm-hmm. you know, and this was in 2015. And I, it, it's just absolutely crazy that one person
2: mm-hmm. can,
1: can ruin a relationship and ruin somebody's life
2: mm-hmm.
1: with this stuff that's in her head. That makes no sense.
0: And it happens every day. And people don't know this.
1: You know, it really can't be that difficult to test for personality disorders. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody shows that much jealousy and wanting to control another person's life, what what would it take? I mean, I, I really don't understand. Um, it seems to me that anybody looking at the emails would, that's a psychologist would say, you know, there's a problem here. um, And it's not the girlfriend. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, like they can't, they see the pattern of all these emails. What is wrong with these people that are in in control of our lives?
1: Well, they're stacking the deck. They're not paying. I mean, one of the things of what I'd like to mention is that, You know, these judges, the judicial officers, these people, these third parties, these PCDMs, these PREs, they're trying to stack in too much. Mm -hmm. There there should be legislation that says lawyers can only take so many clients, that um, PCDMs can only work on so many cases at one time. And that PREs can only handle so many cases at one time because what they're doing is, and and judges, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's where I kind of fail the legislators. If the judges have way too much, too many cases, then they need to get some more funding, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think a lot of that, that game of telephone, just certain things stand out to these judicial officers and they Mm -hmm. just go with it. They don't look at anything else at that point. They get their minds made up, and they're like, "Okay, you know what? This is it. And no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what evidence you have, we are going to label you."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're going to label you. In my case, I was labeled a problem in my own personal case, and then labeled a problem in my then boyfriend's case, and. I'm like, I didn't even have a chance in my boyfriend's case to defend myself. Yeah.
0: I'm so, so sorry. this is terrible so, and there's no um repercussions for this ex-girlfriend who's running around like in you know a crazy nut
1: no and and the thing is she's still she's still trying she's still saying I mean, even with a cease and desist she's still. Telling the magistrate that I am a problem and I need, and and, and, you know, the latest is I have to move out of my home. Right. You know, it's just absolutely insanity.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I would think that anybody that went to school to be a psychologist would recognize how troubling that pattern, that aggressive pattern of behavior against you know, another parent, um, you would think that would be a red flag. Instead, it was it was ignored by so many judicial officers, like, and in, in not only judicial officers, but off, like state actors, right? It's like, th- there was red flags all over this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my boyfriend was just trying to protect me, mm-hmm. right? He didn't want me to all concerned because i already was dealing with a lot and Mm -hmm. but uh you know she is the reason that i left Mm. the the united states of america i was terrified and you know sure enough that was used against me in my own case
0: typical typical Yes. yes unfortunately yeah I see I think the family court should just be abolished and take everything down to civil court where we can choose to have a jury of twelve, not six, but twelve jurors.
1: I don't think I, I you know something. I totally agree with you and I agree that no child from no no bond with any parent should be severed by one person. Right. Mm-hmm. By one judicial officer, by one CPS agent. Right. Because do not tell me that CPS when they get together and they have these meetings regarding like dependency and neglect mm-hmm. that they're actually this is not they do not have a multidisciplinary team.
2: Mm-mm.
1: They're stacking in the deck, too. And they need a jury. They need people in there. They no child should be removed by any parent by one single biased decision. Mm -hmm. because it's too expensive to get the children back it the damage is done yes yes once once that child is removed it's devastating to the child Mm -hmm. and you know it will take a long time to build up that trust again trust in people in trust in the system trust in law enforcement
0: yeah that's um one of my kiddos has trust issues
1: Oh, I'm sure. I wonder but, why. Right, right. You know, there, there's far too many people that are interested um, in, um, in these cases, but not interested in the children. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think uh, what I will say is I worked in IT,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And I worked in IT during the, the years where the boom was happening. And this is what I think is happening in family court. Mm-hmm. Back then, there were so many jobs. There was a huge boom. It was a, the dot com boom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it just aged myself. <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, we were hiring engineers left, right, and center. And like, you could go take a three month course become an engineer, right? And my favorite. This is what's happening in the family court system. Mm-hmm. These people who went, they're 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 figuring out they can make a lot of money. This is a huge industry it's a 50 billion dollar cottage industry they're figuring out they can make a lot of money so you get all these people that are coming in to make the money but they really don't care about the kids Mm -hmm. their initiative to come into the family court system into work it's more about the money that they can make and less about doing a great job for kids
0: Mm -hmm. and And i also exactly yes and i also think. They get some pleasure out of tormenting a target parent.
1: I definitely think that there is, they enjoy watching people suffer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that you have to be, so, you know, people say, oh, they're a narcissist, right? I believe that people have different levels of narcissism, Mm -hmm. right? And I believe in order to be a judge, you have to have a higher level of being a narcissist because you had to survive law. Most judges come from law firms, right? Mm -hmm. So you had to survive the actual family court industry. And don't tell me that over years, that as you work in family law, you you become less empathetic towards families, Mm -hmm. right? And you see all kinds of stuff. But the thing to remember, like, it might be funny. But people are acting this way, they're acting out of character, because a divorce is one of the biggest things you'll go through in your lifetime, Mm -hmm. that and the death of a family. It's very traumatic. And these people are exploiting us.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, I remember walking up to my ex's attorney, we were in superior court, going to argue, um... At at some point, you know, they have you lined up for, say, 11 o'clock that you're going to argue, but really it turns into 2 (laughs) p.m. But anyway, I went up to him and I said, you know, what would you do if your wife was doing this to you? And I saw a glimmer of like, hmm. And then right away he turned back to the sociopath he has been behaving like. Right. This is what we're dealing with is a bunch of sociopaths.
1: There's there's definitely a level. I mean, you know, um, there's a sci- uh, psychology um, article I read. And it's like the, the highest number of sociopaths um, are in family law. I mean, they're they're lawyers, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it attracts that that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Right. And I definitely believe that my opposing counsel gets off on seeing me suffer absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I
0: I totally agree with you there.
1: Yeah, I I definitely. (sighs) um, It's all her emails to me are so horrific and vile and Mm -hmm. just filled with hate. Um, And that's all I really should say, because it's just troubling to try and be a person that wants to solve this issue. I mean, it's so costly to be in family court for 10 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, you know, the difference in my assets compared to, I would not be here if I if, uh, would not be in family court for 10 years. If my opposing counsel did not have access to my boy, my boyfriend's um, financials, I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows what my settlement was. There's no way. She knows I'm a full-time student, but, you know, um, there—that's that firm doesn't care about my kids. They care about what their monthly income is.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a
1: sad thing.
0: You know, and I like to also tell parents that when you're in a, say, a child support um de novo hearing. We call it de novo hearing. It means new beginning in Latin, which means new beginning of hell. But anyway, um the thing is when they these opposing attorneys ask you your your new spouse's income, um what I how I answered that was he's not part of the equation. And she just was irritated. I wasn't I'm gonna bring him into it. These aren't his kids.
1: Well, I've, I've got to, you know, my my question for the magistrates, for the Boulder County Courthouse, let me ask you, right? You've, you made me pay for five PCDMs. I've had 14 judges on my case. I've been in family court for 10 years. And you give me a magistrate that just got passed over for judgeship. And you think that's going to solve this issue? You gave me four PREs. But you think I'm the only problem in the system? I'm sorry. Then, then, you know, clearly this is stacking the deck against one person.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think they just want to see how much I can take.
0: Oh, right, right. I agree with you. I mean, I kept coming back. I was a fighter. I just kept coming back. I think that's how I won one of my cases. (laughs) But, I mean is just the, the persistence of, you know, here I am, still here.
1: Right. Well, I can write a really good letter. And I, you know, and, and the thing is, you picked on the wrong thing. My body will break down before my mind will.
0: Exactly. Right. Right. And it's it's pretty sad when a, a target parent gets picked on so bad they they do get they do fall ill.
1: Well, they fought. Well, we, I mean, I know that I, um, I suffered severely, but my children are suffering and you're taken away from my college fund for my kids. Right. You know, you're taking that away from them, And, you know, I, like I, I said, and I'll say this over and over again, who's needs the psychiatrist, the protective mom or the attorney, that makes a living destroying the bond between mothers and children and goes home every night and has dinner with her own family. Mm-hmm. She's so separated from what she's doing for a living. Who needs a psychiatrist, that mom mm-hmm. or that attorney?
0: Yeah. These, these attorneys and judges should be drug tested and also psych evals routinely.
1: Oh, I definitely will I mean, you know, so the family, I mean, I tried one-on-one advocacy for a long time. Uh, Well, not a long time. I I did it for about a year and it is so stressful, right? Mm -hmm. So let's be serious, listening to these cases over and over again, people acting badly because we all act badly when we're getting a divorce, right? It's not like we're, you know, the difference between my Facebook, post before I got divorced and after I was while I was going through a divorce. But the truth is, you know, these attorneys know how to create conflict in people. Mm -hmm. Right. And they have to take responsibility for that. They have to say, like, you know, people you should be focused on non-conflict, not Mm -hmm. provoking it. And these attorneys know how to provoke conflict, especially when there's a lot of money involved. Oh yes. And, you know, oh. if we made everybody hold them responsible for their actions, these projected, these protracted cases like mine would not exist.
2: The mm-hmm.
1: opposing counsel knows how to just dig into underneath my skin. Like she knows she pours salt on my wounds and she just sits there and laughs at me. And she does this repeatedly. And it's really and gaslights And it's really, really, really damaging.
0: Yeah. There's they're sickos. Yeah. I mean,
1: you know, they they have no regard. No. like You know, what's really terrible is she lives 10 minutes from where I live. So she's in my community. Right. Oh, yuck. And, And like, that's just what like Longmont is a very small community and that's what's so bad. And it's not just the opposing counsel for my boyfriend that she's gone to, she's gone to other attorneys and, um, you know, it, it's just, it's really awful. Like, it's, it's like a conspiracy. Like, yes. you know, it's like, I, oh, and the, the other thing I should mention um, is I actually went out one night and I was like in a social setting. And this person came up to me and said, you know, just started talking to me and said, oh my, are are you Judy Atwood? And I said, yes, I am. And he said to me, you know, that this person, this opposing counsel has it out for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, whoa, right now I've got like a couple angry women after me here in Longmont, Colorado. Boy, I'm going to walk to my car really fast.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, it was like really, it was really scary. And I guess I, I wouldn't have been like, you know, I maybe I would have taken that as hearsay. But I just had this horrific experience with my boyfriend's ex. And these people, there are people out there like that, you know, that are just, um, they won't give up. They just, there's no boundaries.
0: Right, right. Still, I mean, after all these years, I'm hearing snippets from my kids, you know, I, I I don't know. It's very, very weird. I would think though, you know, like if you were the, we'll say the wife that married this uh, male, this abusive male that's coming after you, wouldn't you say to him what, I mean, why do you, are, why, why are you bothering your ex-wife like this? I, I mean, is it our relationship fulfilling enough?
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I would be like, I'm divorcing you because you're still caught up on her.
1: I, you know, it's funny because like, so what's really awful about like a, a protracted divorce is like every third party that comes into your case treats you like you just got divorced. Right. But right. like, I don't know anything about my ex. I haven't lived with them for 10 years. What do you want me to say? Right. right? You know, I know that it's like, well, in vinegar, like, I think I already proved that to you. It's 10 oh years. God. 10 years of going through a divorce. I mean, I don't even feel like I even got divorced. Right. Like it's just, and it, and what I will also will say, this is not the first time that they, that other like former business partners were involved in my case, as if they were on the opposing counsel side, which was just really bizarre. So, um, You know, I just feel like um, I I am actually very, I'm very concerned about my well-being Mm -hmm. um, in terms of being safe here in Colorado because of what I've experienced and because the stacking of the deck against people. Um, They just, you know, I cannot get help from law enforcement for this type of harassment. And it definitely affects my day-to-day living. Like Mm. I, you know, I'm scared. Like this person is clearly
0: a terrorist.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't understand um, somebody that is so obsessed, what will they do next? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm I live in hypervigilance when I'm out. I'm concerned. Um I'm concerned with this getting to my children. Um, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's it's really awful. That's all I can say is the last ten years of my life have been a living, breathing hell.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we have a lot in common, really.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to hell.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I want to have you back on to my podcast because there's more we have to talk about. But if, if someone wants to contact you, how do you want to be contacted?
1: So I have um I have a Yahoo account that I use for um just for outside contacts. Um my um that's Jatwood, J-A-T-W-O-O-D 13 at Yahoo.com. Um, if you're an advocate, please connect with me on um, LinkedIn mm-hmm. I'm Glad to um, share information. There's a lot of great advocacy groups that are sharing a lot of new information that's coming through the newspapers, um, stories. I, I do feel like we are getting um, more and more reporters interested in these cases, which mm-hmm. is great because I think it helps legislators and senators understand how problematic The judicial branch can be Mm -hmm. and um so yes um i you know welcome anybody that wants to connect i i have a lot of information that i can share if you're um if you need help with um if you're pro se
0: oh yes yeah
1: um what i will also let you know is that i'm currently in the court of appeals so i have um um this is the first time in 10 years that I was brave enough um to go to the court of appeals and I'm writing my own um uh, material mm-hmm. and um so you know it's a challenge it's a challenge to be in the situation it's a challenge to try and focus as a full-time student and it's exceptionally hard to be an alienated parent.
0: Mhm. Yeah, you're going through a lot. Um, i
1: i am going through a lot but i um i will do good by my children um i will i will never give up on my children
0: mm-hmm. never
1: no matter how hard the opposing council pushes i i don't care no matter what this lady <laughs> keeps emailing people i will not give up on my children
2: mm-hmm.
1: well i will not said. Be, yeah, yeah, I will not. I, I will not stop bringing it to people's attention that this horrific game of telephone, these, these strange, bizarre accusations that come out of somebody's head and take it into a courtroom so that it actually makes somebody leave their own home is simply ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And magistrates need to get more training. If this is how they're making their judicial decisions, it's absolutely outrageous.
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't have a lot of respect for magistrates. Um but we are going to talk again because you're coming back on, Judy.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I hope I hope I didn't bore anybody. I I I really want people to understand that all it takes is a thought in somebody's head that's just not playing with the full deck. And that can put a parent out of their home.
0: Mm -hmm. And or out of a career as well.
1: Out of a career, out of, I mean, these civil cases are not cheap. They're family law attorneys bill three to $400 an hour. Mm -hmm. And I probably wasted $10,000 on this woman that had some thoughts in her head and some jealousy. And it was simply outrageous, simply outrageous.
0: Well, hey, um, don't jump off, okay? Okay. Slam the Gavels of Podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Mary Ann Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Judy Beth Atwood and other exciting guests. And I totally thank you for coming on the podcast, Judy. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Mary.